Hey, this is Pastor Rob Miller from Reclamation Church. Just want to say thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray that this message is completely life-giving and life-changing and that you take the blessing of the Word of God with you everywhere you go this week and pour into somebody else around you. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. We're going to dive straight into this uh, new series today. Uh, what we've done in the past, and we're kind of bringing it back, it's been a few weeks, but if you have the Version Bible app, you can go ahead and pull that up and go to the events section. You can follow along with today's message that way, take notes. Uh, we've got some devotionals in there that I would encourage you to take home and dive into, and uh, just to build what you're learning today, build on that, and uh, go deeper into the Word of God. Uh, this series called Believe uh, is really focusing on the Gospel of John. How many of y'all read the book of John? So good, so powerful. So we're taking a lot out of the Gospel of John as we go through this series. This series is going to take a few weeks, um, but I'm pretty excited about it. There's a lot that we have to dive into, a lot that we have to pull out uh, from this book. It's so great. It's so incredible. So we're launching this new series today called Believe, and we're focusing on the Gospel of John, just kind of getting back to the foundation of our beliefs and focusing on Jesus. Can we just, can we just focus on Jesus can we do that during the sermon series, right? Focusing on Jesus, why we believe what we believe, and uh, uh, just kind of build. How many of y'all just need a beliefs refresher? Amen. Nobody? Yes. Amen. Everybody. And so that's what's, that's so, what's so key about this, this message series. I don't care how far along in your faith you are, whether you're 25, 30, 45 years saved, whether you're a new Christian, whether you're kind of just getting your feet wet and you haven't made a decision yet what you want to do. This series is going to help you learn what we believe, why we believe, and how important it is to believe. Yes. Amen? So that's what we're doing. We're jumping into this and diving into this right on today over the next few weeks. And let's face it, we need this. I don't think uh, there's ever been a time more than now that our beliefs are questioned. Yes, that's right. What we believe is kind of shaky. Some of us just need to, to shore up what we believe. And so that's why I want to dive into this. And we are in a society that is overwhelmed and consumed with information. Amen. Information is everywhere. We are consumed by it. We have information saturation. <laughs> right? We, it's so easily accessible and readily available. Right there, if you've got a smartphone in your hands, you have the world in your hands. You have any question? Let me ask Google. Let me ask Siri. You, like, you don't even have to type anymore. Right? Information is just so readily available. There's this overload of information. Matter of fact, in the 1960s, uh, some psychologists coined this phrase, information overload. That was the 60s. That was like ages ago. Some of, yeah, if we only knew, right? But they coined this term and they defined information overload like this. It's when we are presented with so much information that it leads to confusion and indecision. Yes. And if you look around us today and the world around us, just even our nation, not even just the world, the nation, like let, let's even reel it even closer. If you look at our state today, Maybe we can even reel it even a little bit closer. If you look at our community today, we are surrounded by people that are confused and living in indecision. Even in the church, people are confused and indecisive. Fear of commitment is huge everywhere in our society today. And this is a problem for everyone, even for you, even for me. Listen, we got social media We've got email, we've got the internet, we've got radio, we've got the news, we've got mobile apps. Everywhere around us, information is pouring into our lap and overwhelming us and consuming us. And I find it interesting that anybody spent time in the Army? A few of us. Or Marines, Maurice, right? Air Force, right? I find it interesting that before we go into any kind of operation, we dump a lot of information first, right? Psychological operations, information operations. We want to, what, what, why do we do it? We want to prepare the battle space. Yeah. And that's exactly what the enemy does with us. Yeah. He uses information operations against us right. to get into our head, 
to challenge our beliefs, to challenge our faith and to eat away at us and our mind and our thoughts. And all of this information attacks our faith. It attacks our belief. It attacks our trust, even in one another. It attacks the very core of who we are. Matter of fact, we start to replace what we believe with what we come to know. Let, let me put it like this. I read this article this week. I, I was studying for this whole message, this whole message series, and I came across this article on information, and this is stunning. This was an article written uh, not too long ago. It says this, the power of information means that we no longer are required to believe. It means we're no longer required to believe, only to imagine, test, and observe. Isn't it cool that the Bible says, cast down every thought and imagination that would exalt itself above the Lord? And so what happens is, in other words, we begin to see in order to believe. We have to see in order to believe. In other words, it gets focused on we need information on it. We need information to support it. There has to be tangible evidence for it to be true. And I've preached on this in the past. As children of God, sons and daughters of the king, we don't have to see to believe. Our faith is not in what is seen. Our faith rests in what is not seen. We don't have to see to believe. And so what happens is the information just overloads us, and we have to see in order to believe. See, it, this is a tactic. Let me, let me just jump straight into this. I'm jumping ahead of my notes, but I need, I need to go to this now. Let, let me just, this is a tactic, this is a strategy even, that the devil has been using from the beginning of time. Look at Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man. I'm going straight to it. Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 7. Put it up there for me. I'm going to read it. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning... Than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God really said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? See, he's already challenging the word of God. Yes. Yeah. This is a strategy he used from the very beginning. And he says, the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And I love what the serpent says. The serpent says to the woman, you certainly will not die. And he says, for God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. Keep on going. And when the woman saw that the tree was good, see, saw. He will challenge, he, the enemy will flood you with information to challenge your belief. So you go from believing is seeing to seeing is believing. The woman saw that it was a delight to her eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise knowledge, information. And so she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband and he ate. And it says, then the eyes of them were both opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And I love if we were to keep on reading, uh, they hide. They had this relationship with God. God would come down and walk daily with Adam and Eve. And so Jesus, God, God comes down. It says during the cool of the day. And we could, that's like a whole other message for another time because the word cool right there is ruach which means the breath of God. Anyways. So God would come down in the cool of day and walk with him, Caleb. So he comes down. Where's... Y'all, where you at? Because they hid themselves. They covered themselves and they hid themselves. Let me just say this. If you have to hide what you're doing, you probably shouldn't be doing it. So they hid themselves. And God says, where are you? Where, where are you? That's a question I never want to hear God ask. Where have you been? And they say, we were afraid, so we hid because we were naked. And I love what God asks them. Who told you you were naked? <laughs> the 
because the enemy will flood our thoughts, flood us with information. And what we think is opening our eyes is actually hiding us. It's shutting our eyes and blinding us and cutting us off from relationship with God. So today, as we start this new series called Believe, I want to go back to the beginning. Can we go back to the beginning? Because the beginning is where it all started. Matter of fact, I shared this uh, with a couple of people last week, Easter Sunday, God is good, Resurrection Sunday, hallelujah, beautiful day outside. We had a great service. Uh, But I shared this with a few people, uh, the the garden. The garden was a place of uh, relationship, a place of delight, paradise, where God and man communed and walked together and talked together. And it was at this moment in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, that death entered the garden. Y'all, who did I share that to? Y'all, did y'all read it? Maybe you didn't read it. Don't raise your hand if you didn't read it. <laughs> Just say, yeah, pastor, I read it. That's lying. Don't do that. <laughs> right? Um, but it's here in the garden that death enters here at this moment. But God had a plan. Just because this happened doesn't mean that God didn't have a plan. God had a plan from the beginning. And so he sends his son to die on a cross, and he's buried in a tomb in a garden. And it was on that day. At the beginning, death entered the garden. But at the resurrection, death had to leave the garden. And I just want to encourage you. I love that song we were singing, You Turn Graves Into Gardens. My life is a grave. My life is, is, is dead without Jesus. But Jesus comes in and intervenes and the resurrection and the life comes in and brings new life. And now my life can be a garden where I walk and talk daily with God. And that's available for anybody. That's available for you. Amen? So we got to go back to the beginning. I'm going back to the beginning today. And, and I just want to look at John, John chapter 1. Matter of fact, let me hit this first because I, I really need to say this. Because here's the thing about information. Uh, we, can, we can come to learn what we know, right? And that will replace revelation. We will soon depend on information and not revelation. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Am I talking to somebody today? Yeah. The problem is we will seek information before we seek revelation. And here's the thing, as sons and daughters of God, we need to stop searching for an answer from man that only the Father can provide. Amen. It's a crazy that we will believe any word rather than the word. Over the last year, how many people were so active on social media? Everybody. <laughs> social media warriors. Come on, hey, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir on this one, right? And we'll listen to so many people. How many people became infectious disease experts in the comment section on everything in the last year? Right? Or election officials on everything. And like, if you just look at the comment section, everybody has information on something, but nobody truly knows anything. And we'll listen to the word of man before we go to the revelation of God. And we do it all the time. Let me, let me show you. We do it all the time. We'll go to, we'll go to an opinion-based blog to have a, a, an interpretation of Scripture. Or, or, y'all pray for me on this one. Or we'll go to YouTube for our doctrine and theology. Can I preach today? Or we'll even take somebody else's word and their explanation of something in the Bible rather than go to the word himself and let him speak to us. And this is a strategy that the devil has been using from the beginning of time. But God has a plan. So as we go into this series, I simply want to start out with this. Let's get back to the beginning. Can we do that today? Say amen. Amen. So we're going to jump to the gospel of John. Go ahead and get your Bibles out. Go to the book of John for me. uh, Throughout this entire series, we're going to be pulling all kinds of 
uh, amazing stuff and interesting stuff out of this book and strengthening what we believe. In fact, believing is an underlying theme uh, throughout the entire Gospel of John. Matter of fact, as we get to the end of the Gospel of John, we look at John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31. It says this, So then many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. What John is saying here is we wrote some things in the book, but Jesus did so much more. So much more signs, so many more evidences, so many more proofs, so many more things that are seen. Seeing is another theme that John uses. It's almost like he understands that we as humanity need to see in order to believe. So John records a lot of what is seen to help with our belief. Matter of fact, if you go to the next verse, he says, these things have been written so that you may believe. These things are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, but not just the Christ, the Son of God. These things are recorded and written so that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you will have life in his name. So let's get back to the beginning. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Just because we show up to church on a Sunday and sit in a chair for five hours because the pastor preaches for four and a half hours doesn't make you a Christian any more than me walking on a football field makes me a star quarterback. Right? So what does it mean to be a Christian? John lays it out right here. These things were written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So what does it mean to be a Christian? To believe in Jesus, the Son of God. To believe that Jesus is the Christ and that every aspect of our life springs from him. To believe that Jesus is the Christ and every aspect of our life stems from him, and that he is who he said he is, and that he did what the word says he did. What does it mean to be Christian? It's simple. It's not complicated. Information will overcomplicate a lot of things. Amen? What does it mean to be Christian? What does it mean to be saved? It's easy. It's simple. It's not complicated. To be a Christian means that we believe in Jesus as the Christ, and we live as Jesus is the Christ. We believe and we live as if we believe. It, it's, it goes both ways. We can't just say, I believe, and then live like we don't believe. There's a book called The Christian Atheist by Craig Rochelle. It's really good. Wow. Believing in Jesus, believing in God, but living as if he doesn't exist. Wow. To be a Christian means I believe that Jesus is the Christ, and I live as Jesus is the Christ, yeah. the Messiah, the Son of God. Do you believe? Do you live? Can I ask that? And in the midst, I just want to encourage this with you today. In the midst of of a society and a world that is saturated with information overload, uh, that causes confusion and complicates things, I just want you to know God is not the author of confusion. It's simple. It's not complicated. You need Jesus. And he sent Jesus to die on a cross for you. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Y'all ready? That was my introduction. We're here for five more hours. (laughs) Turn with me to John chapter 1 if you're not there yet. John chapter 1. We're going to read 1 through 5. And then we're going to jump down to verse 14. If you haven't, say amen. Amen. If you don't, say hold on. Amen. In the beginning. See, we're going back to the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. Let me just stop right there before I jump down to verse 14. The darkness cannot comprehend it. That word comprehend means to overtake. Darkness cannot overtake the light. But here's what's really cool. 
Darkness can't overcome the light, but those who walk in the light are more than overcomers. Yes. Well, that is cool. That's good. You need Jesus <laughs> if you want to live and walk victoriously. Amen. Jump down to verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw, there's that word again, we saw His glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Y'all ready to dive into this? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you would reveal yourself to the world through your son. We ask God that today as we dive into this message that, Lord, you would just change our thoughts, that you would change our sight, that you would change our hearts, God, to, to leave here also doing the word. Don't let it just fall on deaf ears today. Lord, let it go forth and complete the work that you would have in each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Open every blinded eye today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I love how John opens this book. First and foremost, he understands that we need to define Jesus is, who Jesus is. We need to understand who Jesus is. If, if the whole theme of the book of John is about believing and seeing, then we need to understand what we're believing. We need to understand who we are believing. So John opens up with this, this tremendous definition about who Jesus is, because we don't believe unless we know. We don't believe what we don't know, and we don't believe what we don't understand. So we have to, from the very start, learn to understand the definition of Jesus, who Jesus is. And so he offers several truths about Jesus. And here John is, is offering this definition. He says, this is who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That's his definition. He opens up with this, this, this very, in the beginning, this is Jesus. And, and I find it interesting that he starts with that. Because if you were to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, a lot of them kind of start with, there was Matthew, the tax collector. Let me tell you about Matthew and how Jesus helped him. Let me tell you about Mark. Let me tell you about Luke. But John says, in the beginning was the word. Right from the start, he's identifying and defining Jesus who is eternal. He's not anchored to this point in time. It's not about my story. It's about him. It's about Jesus who's been there from the start. And if he's been there from the start, let me encourage you, if you were here last week, I'm going to say it again. If he's been there from the start, he'll be there through to the beginning or to the end. He is the beginning and the end the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, and he's everything in between. And so what John is saying here, here he is from the very beginning. In other words, he's more than just a one-time experience. Praise God. Amen. Amen. John is offering that he's, he's so much more than just my story. He's so much more than just my blip on the timeline. Jesus was there from the start. He's eternal. And so, so what he's trying to explain to you is that he's so much more than a personal experience. He's so much more than just this moment. He's not anchored to this point in time. And, and he's not using his experience to define Jesus and, and put a limiting definition on how Jesus is on a limitless Savior. He is so much more than just where I'm at here and right now. And if we're going to believe and walk in relationship with Jesus, then we have to understand that he's so much more than this moment in my life. Yes. We were at youth camp two years ago, Junior, remember? I was the cabin leader. Y'all pray for me. I might be doing that this year. <laughs> they need Jesus. I was the cabin leader. What, what was it, Thursday night? Power of God fell. We had, how many kids, how many youth, men, young men, teenagers did we have in our cabin? 13, 14? 14 boys in my cabin. I know, right? But the power of God fell Thursday night. It's like the last night of camp. And they're huddled up. I didn't tell them to do this. They kind of just did this. They all huddled up, and they're just praying for each other, speaking in tongues, praying over each other. Young men, teenagers, following the Spirit to pray over one another. 
And so I don't know, Jim Jr., if you remember, but we got back to the cabin and I said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact words that I said, but I said this, don't let this fire stop here. Because yes. I've done camp before and I've seen the fire that happens in a week and I've seen how it just fades the weeks after. Remember me telling, that, that, telling you that, Junior? Don't let this stop here. Take this with you. He's more than just this week. He's more than just this moment in the altar. And now listen, I'm not downplaying experiences. We need these kind of experiences in our life. They help us. They motivate us. They encourage us. Wow, look what God did. It's these personal experiences that in a season of wilderness, in a season of drought, we can look back. But if all we have is personal experiences that build our relationship, then we're always looking back to the beginning when God has plans for an end. He's more than just this moment. He's more than just personal experiences. Do we need him? Absolutely. We have absolutely need them. I'm not downplaying that. But he is more than just this momentary glimpse of what should be continual in our life. Every morning should be a new experience. His mercies are new every morning. That means your experience with him should be new every morning. I can't say this enough. We should never be satisfied with our current relationship with God. We should always be pushing to go deeper, pushing to go beyond. And so what John is saying here, he's not just a man. He's not just this momentary story on a timeline. He is beyond, let me say it like this, he's beyond a Sunday morning experience. He's beyond a week-long revival. He's beyond a salvation prayer. It's a relationship that must be continual, growing continuously. And I love what he says, in the beginning was the word. That's the next thing that he uses. And that word here in in the Greek means logos or or logos, however you want to say it, right? And it's the spoken word of God. And it's used as an expression to to show the revelation of God, the word of God. God. So Jesus is described, one, as eternal from the beginning, as in more than just this moment or experience. And number two, he's, re- he's identified and described as the revelation of God himself. In the beginning was the Word. And we see this in verse 14, if you jump down there with me. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw his glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love 3D movies. Why are you laughing? You don't, anybody not like 3D movies? I'm praying for your salvation. I've been praying for your salvation, honey. I love 3D movies. Uh, matter of fact, how many of y'all just like going to the movies and spending 15 extra dollars on a movie? Right? And we get in there, and it tells you, you may now put on your 3D glasses. You ever read the signs? Who's never been to a 3D movie? I've seen it. Wow. I'm, I'm really praying for y'all's salvation. <laughs> Look, God said you would have life and life abundantly. Part of living life abundantly is watching 3D movies. It's, it's an abundance, right? Anyways. So the, 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 the little thing comes on. You may now put on your 3D glasses. And what happens? You put them on, and you look all across the theater, and everybody's going. (laughs) Right? (laughs) How many of y'all do that? Right? Everybody's like. (laughs) And so this is what I want to show you. John right here is saying, the word became flesh and dwelt among. In other words, right, because the word, we all understand the word. It's like God put these spiritual 3D glasses on us and the word came to life and popped out at us like, whoa. But here's the thing, because when you're watching the 3D movie, you you can't touch nothing. So it's more than just three-dimensional. Jesus came down four-dimensional. You could see him, you could hear him, you could touch him. It says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt means, let me take these off. Y'all are popping out too much. 
That word dwelt means tabernacled. The word of God became flesh. God himself revealed to man. It says, we beheld the glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. We saw God. He was the full revelation of God himself. We saw him. We could touch him. People, people were, were just clamoring to just get to the hem of his garment and touch him. The presence of God that was reserved for just the tabernacle, the holy of holies, became flesh and tabernacled among us. No longer once a year after Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead, no longer once a year did we have to enter the holy of holies. The holy of holies came down and rests on each and every one of us and tabernacles with us. The presence of God rests with us. And I love what it says, full of grace and truth. And, and I really want you to, this is like the whole uh, uh, foundation of this entire series. So if, if you've ignored everything so far, please listen to this. Full of grace and truth. See, at the beginning, Adam and Eve were uh, disinformation and misinformation got the best of them. And they went from believing to seeing. They were blind. I told John I was going to use him as an illustration today when I talked about Adam and Eve. I was just going to put a blindfold on him and leave him up here the entire message. Come here, John. It's not the entire message anymore. Is this? That's not. She said, shake it. Might be snakes in it. And so, Adam and Eve, after the fall, are now walking around blind. And they don't believe, man doesn't believe because they can't see. And so the word of God became flesh. Don't move. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, and we beheld the glory as of the Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And if we were to look at the Greek definition of truth, y'all know me. I got to go back to the Hebrew and Greek at least three times in a message. We look at the Greek definition there of truth, and it's lasano. It comes from the root word lasano, which means hidden. But there's, there's a, a prefix... Is that, is that the word? I'm not a grammar guy. Yeah, yeah, thank you. There's a prefix before that means anti. In other words, anti-lathano or unconcealed or unhidden. So we beheld the glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace in all unhiddenness. So, so at the beginning, at the fall, after the manipulation and misinformation and disinformation that blinded man, God came back to earth as Jesus, the word, full of grace and all that is unhidden. And we can behold, we can see the glory of God again and walk in relationship with him again. And this is what I love because we're bound we're bound. If you look at grave clothes, we look at the story of Lazarus. Lazarus comes hobbling out after a few days, and he's, he's bound with grave clothes. And part of the grave clothes is he has this cloth over his head. He couldn't see. And so Jesus cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And he tells everybody around him, loose him and set him free. And part of that loosing is getting the veil over his face off so that he can see where he's going. Because the truth will set you free. What is unhidden, the glory of God, will set you free. But here's the other part of that. It goes two ways. Because Adam and Eve hid themselves because they were in sin. And so the, the, the grace, full of grace and truth, because he has to unhide some things that we're concealing and hiding in our life. Sin bondage. And with the grace of God, he pull, pulls back the, the chains and he pulls back the grave clothes and 
turns graves into gardens and walks with us again. And and I've preached on this before. Unhiding and and revealing the sin that is in us is not about condemning us or shaming us, but it's about restoring us and revealing who he is. Thank you. Give God some praise. Full of grace and truth. Truth truth talks about unhiding and uncovering that which is concealed because the fall of man threw a veil over the face of humanity. But praise God, Jesus dying on a cross and rising from the dead rips the veil in half. And we can see God again, the revelation of God. But here's the thing, again, the world has to see in order to believe. When we, we, we come into this world, we have to see in order to believe. Everybody has to see in order to believe. And God understands that. Even John understands that. And that's why he presents uh, this. Everything that he talks about in the book of John has a lot to do with believing and seeing. And we're going to cover this. We're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. Matter of fact, uh, he, he writes this a lot. We wrote about these things that you would believe so, because of these signs We wrote about these signs, the things that you can see so that you would believe. We saw his glory. And Jesus, even at the end of chapter 1 here, he says that you will see heaven open and and, and, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is a common theme that we see throughout John. So I really want to encourage you over the next few weeks, go home, read the book of John, read it again, read it again, and just keep reading it. Learn about the Son of God. Because here's the thing. If we're not listening and seeking the revelation of God, we will walk around blind. 2 Corinthians 4.4, Paul says this. The God of this world blinds the minds of who? The unbelieving. He says, the God of this world, that being the devil, blinds the minds of the unbelieving so that they will not see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world blinds, but Jesus, the light of the world, full of grace and truth, opens blinded eyes. Seeing is believing for the world, but believing is seeing for children of God. And this is what I love. John here at the beginning, he's describing this role that Jesus plays. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So there's this role that Jesus plays in the beginning with creation, but he also plays a role in the revelation of who God is. And and this is what I love. Uh, Matter of fact, look at this, Psalm 33, 6. It says, By the Word of the Lord the heavens were made. And even throughout the Bible, you'll see this concept of the word closely connected with creation. So it, it's no surprise, and it's actually kind of cool, when, when, when Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The revelation of God, seeing the truth, gets away all of the old things, puts away all of the old things, and we become a new creation. And it's not about resuscitation. I'm going to echo this from last week because I feel like I need to say it again. Resuscitation just revives the old man. But the old man needs to die. And we need to not be resuscitated, but we need to be a new creation altogether. Behold, all things are made new. Behold, look, all things are made new. New. You are a new creation. The word, that being Jesus, makes you a new creation, completely transformed. And that's what being a Christian is. That's what believing is, living as if we believe. Because if we believe that Jesus is the Christ and we live as Jesus is the Christ, then we live a lot differently than we used to live because we believe, not see. Is this helping anybody today? And and this is what I love. I'm kind of jumping ahead of the series. This is kind of like a series teaser. 
Everybody put on your 3D glasses, right? This is, we see this with Nicodemus, right? Jesus talks about this with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, uh, and we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, but I love what Jesus tells Nicodemus because Nicodemus is like, Jesus, you do all of these things that we see. We see all of these things that you're doing, but how do we get to heaven? And I love Jesus' response uh, to Nicodemus. I love what Jesus says. He says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. It's not about this world. It's not about the news. It's not about the current situation all around you. You need to see the kingdom, not the world. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. And, and Nicodemus, wow, he's like, what? Jesus, born again, you expect me to get back into my mother's womb. Yeah. Junior, you shared something with me this week about literal translations of the word. Like, I think the guy, Pastor Manny, he basically said that's just spiritual laziness. Nicodemus was just spiritually lazy. You expect me to enter back into my mother's womb? See, he, he was looking for literal and not what was revelation. He was focusing on what he knew based on the information that he had put together about life rather than the revelation of the life. And so Jesus is like, nah, bruh. And we're going to cover this in a few weeks, John chapter 3, right? But unless you are born again, and I love, I love the imagery that, that Jesus uses, unless you are born again, because it's not about religion. Amen. It's about relationship. Uh-huh. If I'm born, if I'm a newborn, I need a father, and I need to depend on a father. That's good. It's always been about relationship. Even from the start, God has had a plan to reclaim and restore relationship. Amen? Amen. It's always been about relationships. So Jesus, the Word, plays a role in new creation. He plays a role in the revelation of the Father, uh, which leads me to this. The Word is the revelation of God. If you need something new in your life, read the Word. If you need something fresh, and you're like, that's what that word new creation means. They became a new creature. They, they're fresh. The word in the Greek means freshness. Anybody fresh in here? Gen Z, I love it. Right? And I just really want to say this. I say this to uh, Adrian sometimes. I, I love you. I'm going to use you. She's like, use me. It's okay. <laughs> Pastors' wives become like the butt of every illustration. So do, so do pastor's kids, right? I'm used to it. I'm a PK, right? And so she's always asking me, well, what about this? Well, what about this? It's like, well, have you read? Or are you just going to take my word for it? So if you have questions about what you believe, go to the source. Start with the book of John. Then read Romans. Amen? Go to the source. This is the revelation of God. Right. The Word right. became flesh. This be- Jesus yes. yeah. became flesh, tabernacled among us. We could have a relationship with Him. Amen? Get back to the Word. Go to the source. And we see this throughout the Bible, even throughout the Old Testament. The, it, it, we'll see this a lot. It says, the Word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. The Word of the Lord came to Isaiah. There was a, a, a revelation that came to these people, to the prophets. Matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews even says that in the Old Testament, back in the old days, we had the prophets who spoke on behalf of God, who revealed God. But now we have the Son. Hebrews 1.1, read it. It is a revelation of God. It is God revealing himself to us. And what John is describing here is that Jesus, who is eternal, is stepping into our world, fully representing and fully expressing who God is. And if you let him, he'll enter into your world and change everything. Because that's what salvation truly is. 
transformation. Would you stand with me as we close today? I could go on and on. There's so much more to unpack. Look, we only got to in the beginning was the word. <laughs> but for time's sake, uh, we'll, we'll continue this next week. We got a, a few weeks that we're going to be in this. So I really want to encourage you to come back next week. Uh, the next part of this is the word was with God and the word was God. We're talking about the Trinity next week. It's going to be good. And let me just, let me close with a little bit of a hint here as we, as we kind of wrap this up. This is John pointing to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus is a member, a person of the Godhead, the Trinity. And so, God, and so John here is saying that the Word was with God. So if the Word was with God, that means he's different than God. But they're the same because of the, the Trinity. We'll, we'll explain this more next week. But if he is with God, that means he plays a different role. And if you, look at, if you look at Scripture, you'll see it. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, they're, they're the same. They're, un, they, they're unified. Not singular. They're unified. They're one. But they do different things. We'll unpack this more next week. God does, does different things. Jesus did different things. The Holy Spirit does different things. But they all prove that they are God. Matter of fact, uh, this kind of echoes what, what John is saying here, kind of echoes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And again, we'll unpack this more next week, but that word there, one in Hebrew, means unified. Not singular, unified. So even the writers of the Old Testament understood the Trinity. The Lord our God is one. And this is what I want to encourage you today. This, this is all about believing. If we're going to believe that Jesus is the Christ, then we have to live as Jesus is the Christ. And this is where I want it to break down in your life. And I want you to adopt this today. Go home, read John. Go home and read Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall repeat them diligently to your sons and speak of them when you sit down in your house. When you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up, everything that you do needs to be centered on the word. Your children need to hear the word. Train up a child in the way that they should go and when they are older, they will not depart from it. In the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Train up a child in the way that they should go. When you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up, every aspect, everything that you do should be centered on the word. And verse 8 says, You shall also tie them as a sign to your hand, and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. Because people need to see the word living and active coming from your life. Because you are the example. You are the ambassador. When people see you, they should see what you believe. And they should see who you believe. And you shall also write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So I really want to encourage you to come back next week. We're going to dive into this even more. I pray this was a blessing to you today. I pray that it challenges you pray that also encourages you. But this is what I want to do. I want to ask every head bowed, every eye closed as we kind of wrap this up today. I want to pray with you. And if you're here, the information of this world, the noise of the devil has just been overwhelming you and consuming you and eating away at your beliefs, eating away at your faith. You need to be up here. I want to pray with you. I love what the Bible says. I love what Paul says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And these, the information that wants to flood your thoughts and uh, take captive your imagination and thoughts, we're going to 
We're going to take care of those today and take hold of those today, cast them down. So as we close with this song, if you're here, you need, you need prayer. Your beliefs have been attacked. Your core has been attacked. Your faith has been attacked. You're just completely unsure. You're unsettled. Come up and pray. You're here today and you don't know what to believe. I pray this kind of pushed you just one step closer to Jesus. And you're here, you want to make that commitment to Jesus today. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to write the word of God on your heart and live in the revelation of who he is. I also want to encourage you to come up. I want to pray with you. You're here today and, and your beliefs have just been challenged and you're walking more in unbelief or, or, or even worse, disbelief. You've latched on to uh, the word of man rather than the word of God. You're believing the wrong reports or you're living in information and not revelation. Please come up. I want to I pray with you. The altars are open. We're going to sing this song. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this week's message from Reclamation Church. We pray it was a blessing to you. We want to encourage you to take this message everywhere, everywhere with you and pour into those around you. And if you would love to be a blessing to the Reclamation Church ministry, you can easily give at our website at reclamationchurch.faith. Scroll down to the bottom and click on online giving. Or you can even text to give any dollar amount to 84321 and set up a giving account with Reclamation Church. Again, we pray that this was a blessing. Be a blessing to those around you this week. And may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you with the light of his countenance and, be, uh, and give you peace this week. Amen. Be blessed.